happy Palm Sunday to you. Maybe you went to church uh, when you were a child or whatever and you walked in on a certain day of the year and there were people with palm branches in their hands and they were like waving them and, and your weird meter might have gone, what's happening here? Well, it's Palm Sunday and we're going to read the story of why in the world people were doing that in a second. Uh, it marks the beginning of the Passion Week, or some would call it the Holy Week. It's this week that reflects on the passion of Jesus as he willingly makes his way to the cross so that you and I can experience hope. We, we don't have to strain to find hope anymore. We just have to press into our relationship with Jesus. Um, obviously, the triumphal entry in this moment with the palm branches is very visual. And last week, I know some kids still drew pictures. In fact, I got a few that uh, were encouraging and, and just gave a big smile on my face. But I want to let you know we have two scenes today for you kids. You get your pieces of paper. You get your drawing skills ready because you get to draw some good stuff today. This first one being the triumphal entry. Let's read it. In Matthew 21 verse 7, it says, they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of him and those that follow shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. Like right there, they were singing the song. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. This moment of incredible worship as they're bringing their palm branches and their cloaks and laying them down. And what's interesting is this is a fulfillment of a promise. In Zechariah 9.9, you can read this, this prophetic vision, right? Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Palm Sunday serves as a preparation of one's heart for the agony of of Jesus' passion and the joy of his resurrection. And we look at this scene and it just brings to the mind this big idea we're going to hone in on today. And that is Jesus has passionate love for you. Jesus has passionate love for you. Now, not in your, uh, you know, like lovey-dovey passion way. But he has passion for you in the way of sometimes love suffers. Jesus is about ready to experience incredible change in spirit from this moment of worship to a moment of agony as he takes upon himself the punishment of sin of the world, which we'll unpack in a second. I'm reflecting this week, actually, and uh, 
dwelling on that first Easter I experienced as a follower of Jesus. Uh, in June 6, 1993, I gave my my life to Christ. And that year they made a movie called, I think it's the Matthew Project or the Matthew film. You can watch it on, on Prime if you have that for free right now. It's the whole book of Matthew, word for word. And they called Jesus in this film, the smiling Jesus, because the character interpreted Jesus with a smile. And I remember watching through that and and it was the first Easter that I sat down and thought, man, this would be a great season to watch an entire gospel. And I was watching through it. And when it got to Easter, when it got to these scenes, I was messed up, honestly, as much as even just remembering it now. Um, I sat there and I looked at at what Jesus went through for me so that I could be forgiven of sins. And, and, and even as an, a horrible sinner that I was in my life, and I look here and I just go, he willingly endured all this for me. And it, it wrecked me that he would go through so much so that I could find and have hope. And I, I want you, man, I, I sat there and I watched Jesus be betrayed. I, I sat there and I saw the depiction of his arrest and how he was mocked and beaten and treated. And I, I saw his journey to, to be disowned and, and make his way to the cross carrying the heaviest of of crosses that he could not even bear the weight of. And I, I watched him uh, hang on the cross and, and give his life in this depiction of a movie. And, and I was like, wow, who does that? Well, Jesus said who does that. In, in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. He laid down his life for you and me. And uh, Jesus goes from a, a beautiful display of worship on a donkey entering into a city with worship going on. And it was like, Hosanna, Hosanna. And all of a sudden the tide turns and the crowd's chanting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. They are a friend of God one day and an enemy. Jesus becomes an enemy of the state the next. And a quick turnaround. Shocking. Just as right now, quick turnaround. We've gone from you know, worshiping in a, a beautiful venue in the Performing Arts Center of Bonnie Lake High School. And all of a sudden, this turnaround happens and we're sitting in our pajamas in our house watching service. And we're in shock. And I imagine these disciples were in shock. Those whose Jesus' hands had healed, the ones who received sight, or maybe their deaf ears were open, were watching this play out. Think of their shock, but think of their absolute, like, humble reality that Jesus loves me this much. Jesus loves us this much.
I mean, we can sometimes feel alone in our worries and, and, and we could be fearful right now, obviously, um, but we must not forget, Jesus went through lonely. He went through fear. He endured so much. And as we're enduring things in this pandemic, Jesus endured so much on his way to release that grip of fear on our lives and, and insert the reality of, of hope. Drawing number two, kids, you ready? Um, it's a different scene than the triumphal entry for sure. It's a place where Jesus would get away and pray. It's the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, he, he would get alone and he would pray. And it's the scene where Jesus is going to pray before his accusers show up and take him on his journey to the cross that we're going to kind of camp and land at for the rest of, of today. So I'll read it, kids. You can draw whatever you will. Um, Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here. Keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and, and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I actually love how inserted into this scene, the author Luke, in Luke twenty two forty three 43, captures this portion of the moment. He says, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Wow, there's a an awkward visual. Sorry, kids. Uh, Matthew 26, back to verse 40. It continues. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. And when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. What a lot, a lot happened there in that garden, and it's quite the scene. Uh, Jesus once again is, is demonstrating social distancing and prayer, as we've mentioned over our weeks. But he, he used these moments to get alone with his, his father. Almighty God, right, through prayer. 
And uh, this is the boldest and most painful prayer we witness Jesus pray until he's on the cross. And uh, Jesus knew what it was like to strain to find hope. He was straining here, right? In fact, he strained to find hope for the world, not just himself. And, and it's okay to be anguished and distressed and, and crushed when we pray. He's making that clear. It's okay to be grieved and, and that to lead us to prayer. It's okay to have such agony in our spirit that uh, both our, our, our godly side and our human side can express themselves. And Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. And so he was wrestling through those same two realities. It's okay to feel like you are at the edge of giving up in prayer because he was nearing death, it says. Uh, fervent in prayer, so aggressive that you break vessels in your body so that your sweat drips like blood. That's deep, fervent prayer. Interesting note. So I was studying about this section and just trying to unpack it again as if I'd never read it. I noticed this, this note about the root meaning of this distress Jesus experienced. And, and it said that the root meaning of distress was to be away from one's home or people. It was agony of mind. Aren't we feeling that right now, but kind of in the way that we're away from people and it's actually stirring agony of the mind. This is the reality. We're meant to be together. We're meant to do life with others in each other. And if anything, this season is elevating the value of our relationships into our mind. Jesus demonstrates submission to almighty God, his father during this. And one of the coolest things about it is that he's kind of walking out what he taught his disciples. Remember, the only thing that the disciples asked of Jesus to learn from Jesus in their day was, they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so uh, Jesus teaches them how to pray and he demonstrates a couple of elements of it in the course of this prayer. He's saying here, my father, he's saying here, your will not mine be done. And listen to the Lord's prayer in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, as he taught his disciples to pray. He said, this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, right? He says, on earth as it is in heaven, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. Why was he asking and reminding his disciples to pray in the garden? To not be led into temptation. It all connects. Everything he taught we see culminating in this garden. Jesus could see the future. And he knew that the price to be paid for all of the sins of the world was upon him. It was coming. It was the denial was about to walk into the garden. The rejection was about to happen. The punishment, the cross. He experienced that an instant in the garden. And that's why he was having this deep conversation with his father in heaven. And he asked to have the responsibility removed from his story, if it was possible. 
But then again, if it wasn't possible, he was going to be faithful. And Jesus was going to surrender. I, I don't imagine being able to, I can't comprehend this scene. If you were to change roles, we're looking at Jesus in the garden, but put yourself in God the Father in heaven's shoes and, and imagine your son, Preston, being nine in my home. I can't imagine Preston telling me, Dad, I, I know that I'm going to die if I do this this week. Uh, can you help me? Can you remove me from this situation? And, and me saying, you need to go through this. I can't fathom that. And uh, I don't know how God was able to orchestrate this moment in history. And we have the opportunity to grasp it. One thing I do know is that the reality of God's love for you goes beyond our comprehension. You can't look at this scene and this plead and this scenario and then look all the way to the cross and say, God has not extended love for all. He's loved deeply, so much beyond what we can imagine or comprehend. And, and you, should, you should be able to always hear the Easter story and just stop in your tracks and be humbled because nothing matters besides this relationship with Jesus that we can build. Do you grasp the depth of what God did for you? Uh, his, this passionate journey Jesus went through for you to find hope? Man, I'm, I'm hoping this week we can help you grasp all that is coming at you uh, in order for you to grasp the passion of Jesus for your life, right? And, and what he did so that you could find hope. This week we have daily devotionals coming out each day for you uh, in the morning that you can grow from. You can obviously find those on our Open Life Facebook group, on Next Steps, on the app. We'll put a little link on the bottom right side of our app called Easter, and uh, we'll have all of our resources there. But as well, we just challenge you, uh, kids, families, uh, we're not leaving you out. We actually have just acquired some amazing resources to be able to just elevate what we're offering for families. And, and you probably read about it if you checked your e-news, if you're opted in, uh, or maybe you watched the video online, but we got a subscription for everyone, a part of Open Life, to have full access to Right Now Media. And we'll be linking to the daily devotionals for Easter, starting today, actually, for the families with some short devotionals that are just so well produced by the guy who did VeggieTales and uh, pretty excited about that. Man, we have a challenge for you this week so that you can share the hope you have in Jesus. Uh, maybe you've seen this online, but the hashtag Jesus changed my life. Jesus changed my life. I, I want to put... Um, an opportunity online for you to figure out how you could shoot a selfie testimony about how Jesus has changed your life in just a couple minutes. Uh, you could find that again on the app or Next Steps. And we want you to be able to invite someone who is contemplating finding hope and they're, 
they're searching for peace and you could say, well, Jesus has shown me this. Jesus has changed my life and I'm inviting you to join us online right now at, at openlife.church slash live this weekend for Easter service. Just an opportunity to do that. But here's what's cool. Churches all across the nation are going to be uploading their stories with the same hashtag, Jesus changed my life, so that the internet and the social media areas could just be flooded with people telling their stories about how Jesus has changed their life. And you can be a part of that. Uh, all the instructions are going to be on the app or Next Steps or on Facebook group. Good Friday service. Uh, we want to get together with an interactive Good Friday service this Friday at 7 o'clock and uh, broadcast it live here and, and be able to take communion together. And it's a somber kind of thing, I guess you would say, to dwell on the cross and the darkness of that moment and the silence until the resurrection. But it's important that we reflect on that moment together. So we'll be having a, a communion together on it and celebrating the scriptures around the cross together. And so I encourage you, some open lifers are gonna join in on a call that we'll broadcast out and, and be able to dialogue through the scriptures and take communion together. So make sure you do have some bread and some juice or some uh, wine, whatever fits your culture so that you can celebrate communion with us at seven o'clock this Friday for Good Friday. And then finally next Sunday, Easter service. Um. Man, we have some fun for the whole family in the service. We have a little egg hunt for the kids during it that will show you how we're going to do that. And how about this? Quarantine family photos. Uh, quarantine Easter family photos. I don't know what we're going to get here. I don't think the goal is formal. It can be anything, but we're going to make up some categories and some contests and some winners just to have a little fun with our reality and maybe smile at the same time we're celebrating and rejoicing because Jesus has risen on Easter. So uh, maybe you're in pajamas or messy hair or you're formal right there on your couch, whatever works for your photo. But we want to see how you're celebrating Easter and bringing all your friends and family in on it. So we encourage you uh, to celebrate with us. Okay, back to the reality of our moment because I want to land this, this talk at a particular place and a couple tough truths or insights here. Uh, we want to provide many opportunities for you to to figure out Jesus passionate. Jesus is passionate for you. And there's a couple things that really help us note that in this moment in the garden uh, that'll really awaken, uh, awaken us. And one is when he says to his disciples, you've had your rest. You've had your rest. This statement from Jesus was a, was a blow to the disciples, ultimately, uh, who had repeatedly fallen asleep, and they therefore were susceptible to the temptations that were going to come, and he had told Peter, you're going to deny me, and he fell asleep, and he did deny Jesus. You know, there's a lot of realities around this. While he was fervently praying, the followers of Jesus were asleep. And one could say the church has had the opportunity to uh, do it easy for a long time. 
<laughs> uh, I, I see this time we have at home to reflect and go, man, we've been able to worship God easy. We've been able to come to church when it's convenient or when oftentimes there's nothing else to get in the way. We'll make it to church that Sunday. Uh, we can go to church uh, in our sleep ultimately, right? It's like, well, Sunday, let's just kind of pack up, go. We hear it. Oh, it was good. Go home. And it was just a moment, not a life-transforming moment. And I think Jesus is challenging us. You've had your rest. There's work to be done. Uh, one could say that we need to not let anything get in our way of serving and loving. We need to get out of the rut of our faith and let it come alive this week, reflecting on the power of the cross. And we're watching what used to be just a reality series about a pandemic on Netflix come to life all around us. And we're all dealing with the ramifications. We realize the time for sleeping is over and we need to be all in with our faith for our sakes, for our neighbor's sakes, because loneliness and grief and anger and all these emotions are rising up and we need to be there to encourage, speak life and be a representation of life. Even if it's from 16 or 16, that's my interpretation, feet away, uh, six feet away, right? Uh, so we, we are distanced, but we can love that distance, right? The time is here to take up our cross. Maybe you've read that in scripture. It says in Mark 8, 34, um, calling the crowd to join his disciples, Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. Jesus' painful visions of the cross were not unlike the inner struggles we have we have to weigh when we're deciding how we're gonna love those around us, how we're gonna get outside of living for ourselves and live for others. And uh, that's when we, we bear the weight of the cross is when we start lifting the responsibility of ministering to others around us. That's the church. Okay, second thing that we discovered uh, that really is challenging me in this text is the moments when Jesus asked Take the cup. Take this cup if you want to from me, right? Take this cup of suffering. And, and there's another instance in scripture even in Matthew 20, verse 20, uh, when the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons and she knelt respectively to ask a favor. What is your request? Jesus asked. And she replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Wow. Who was with Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane? James and John, Peter, I wore this shirt today, not because I didn't have to iron it. I did have to iron it. Uh, but it's got 
I've been given a bad time about wearing it before because it has both upright crosses on it and upside down crosses. And I looked at it in my closet and I was like, oh my word, that's a shirt that represents what Jesus is talking about, about the cup. He was talking about when he was praying, when Jesus was praying about the upright cross that he was about to have to bear. But the disciples, when he's saying, you can't handle your cup, he was talking about an upside down cross because some of them lost their lives by not de declining the resurrection of Jesus. They, they lived out, no, he, Jesus rose from the dead and they preached that gospel and they lost their lives for it. Uh, and Peter, I know, was, was crucified upside down on a cross because he was not worthy to die as Jesus died, he proclaimed. I look at this shirt and I just go, this is the cup. This is a representation of what's being spoken of. This mother didn't realize that this cup meant death, suffering, pain. And in the Old Testament, the cup was used to symbolize punishment and revenge. And this is, this is just this reality of suffering that our cup is to watch and pray for those who are suffering right now and to suffer with them. I've read articles about the painful decisions school workers are making right now to provide food for those who need food and potentially expose themselves to COVID-19 or let them go hungry. And they're taking up their cup. They're taking up their cross and serving meals, knowing they're at risk. Nurses are doing the same. Doctors are doing the same. First responders are doing the same. We need to be praying for one another because there's a lot of cup bearing right now. And uh, maybe your cup looks like an encouraging message on a neighbor's driveway with chalk art. Maybe your cup is going to the grocery store for somebody who really should not be at the grocery store right now that lives next to you. But we need to take the cup. We deserve the punishments ourselves, but Jesus of sin, but Jesus takes our cup of punishment all the way to the cross. Because he got up from the garden and he pressed through the denials, the shame, the scornful way of death on a cross. And uh, he did that for you. I want you to grasp the depth of it and don't walk away from it going, oh, that's a good thought. No, like, let this wreck you this week. That's the challenge. Daily reflect on Jesus' passionate love for you this week. Find yourself just going, wow, Jesus did this for me. There's no better time in the year to choose to follow Jesus, to invite Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior. Right now would be incredible. Experience the first week of your relationship with Jesus, growing an understanding of what he did by giving his life on the cross. We're gonna to be tossing these devotionals at you to read through the scriptures and think about that all week. This is a great moment for you. And we're gonna simply confess that Jesus is Lord and pray that together in a moment. But there's no better time as well to share Jesus' love with others who need hope this week. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for every single person who's tuning in right now live, or whether they're gonna watch this on demand 
Um, I pray that you'll reach right through this camera and touch hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit and that we'll be able to feel your love for us you brought vividly into display within this garden. And God, maybe for the first time today, there are some here that are going to say, okay, I invite Jesus into my life to be Lord and Savior. I'm going to recommit my life. I've wandered. I've let this go. I'm coming back to you, Jesus. And we just invite you to be the Lord of our life, the forgiver of our sins. And we want to pursue you, grow in a relationship with you. And what a great week to do so. God, I pray for your empowerment and the words to say and the plans to say it for the rest of those that are watching right now. That God, you will reach in and inspire us how you've changed our life and how we can express that to the world around us. Help us to, to take advantage of opportunities to live for you, to take up our cross, Lord God, that we could wake up from our spiritual sleep and we could take the cup and we can make a difference for those that are suffering around us. And we pray, God, that you'll give us boldness and courage as we do so. Thank you for sending your son to make his way to the cross and to raise from the dead as we're going to celebrate next Sunday so that I could have life now and eternal in you. We give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll see you during the course of this week. We'll see you next Sunday on Friday. Lord bless you.